so first off, before we get into business and all this other fun stuff, who are you? Can you give Alyssa a background on you? Uh, I'm a financial advisor. Uh, offices in Marshfield, and we also have offices in Chelmsford. I live in Marshfield. Um, moved here about eight years ago, but we've had our business here, geez, almost 20 years now. Um, so love working and living in the same town with them is great. Um, so that's who I am. I'm a mom. I've got three kids. Um, I'm a soccer coach. I'm like a serial volunteer. I kind of never know when to say no because um, I'm a little bit too much. But I'm a, I'm a busy body, so I've got all sorts of always things I get busy with. So one thing I know about you is that you have an engineering degree. Yeah. How do you go from having an engineering degree to going into the financial services? I, I, actually, there's a lot of overlap. It's all math and right. problem solving. So, but lo logistically, how did it happen? Um, I, you know, I went through four years of engineering school at Villanova. Go Caps! Um, but and I just kind of waited for four years to find that one class that I was passionate about and to kind of find my direction. Because you know, at 18 or 20 years old, who really has that direction? And I knew engineering would be a great degree to have. I loved math. I was excited about it, but just never stumbled upon that class that I really said, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, so after school, you know, graduated, was looking around for jobs. I had had an internship. They offered me a position. I wasn't interested in it. Um, just, you know, went back to the family business where I had been many summers prior um, and, and really just never left. Started learning the business. You know, my father was always great about not wanting to pressure me to join the business, but um, hey, this is an option if you're interested kind of thing. You know, he never wanted to live with any regrets and, you know, and make me do something I didn't want to do. So he was very hands-off about it, but um, just started really enjoying it and started. So you weren't groomed to, to take no. over the family business? No, like nope, not at all. There was, I think, in my father has said to me, you know, I never wanted to put pressure on my kids to take over this business. you got to find your own way in life, and if it, if it worked, it worked. So he was really good about, you know, he never wanted us to be pressured into something that we regretted and then he would feel terrible. So, um, you know, but he was very open about this is an opportunity for you if you're interested. He knew I had turned down a job and wasn't really interested in anything that I was applying for after school. So um, he just started teaching me and I, and, and I literally just, you know, landed there and never left and, um, and love it. So it, it worked out for the best. So talk about math. Um, so we're an asset management firm. Technically, we're an asset management and financial planning firm. But really, that just means we help people with their money. Money can be very stressful for people. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, for a variety of reasons. Many people don't understand the world of investing or they, you know, they might not have enough assets and, and know that they need help and guidance. You know, how much should I be saving? Or they might have significant assets and kind of don't want to screw it up. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to lose this money. And, you know, how do I invest it prudently? So... Um, we, we help take that stress away from people, so we help them invest their money in a suitable strategy, and we help them with their financial goals. So, you know, the, the largest financial goal people will plan for generally is retirement. Um, so helping people, you know, kind of save appropriately to get there, helping them in retirement, watching the draw from their portfolio because, you know, people don't want to run out of their assets when they're retired. And so we help people with their financial goals. That can also mean college planning and, you know, first home buying, stuff like that. A wide that variety too, of things. Yeah, a wide variety of things. But we do a lot of, you know, I was saying that that, that finance and, and engineering overlap a lot because there's a lot of problem solving. So in the world of financial planning, it's really like modeling. It's like, let me put together a scenario for you. Let, what do you envision your the rest of your life to look like financially? And let me 
you know, help you get there. I'm going to solve this problem for you. I'm going to tell you how much you need to save so that you can, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So there, it's it's that modeling aspect of it is actually what I love the most about my job. So there is there is a lot of overlap in that in that aspect. So one of the things that's front and center on your website is that all your advisors are certified financial planners, and all you all four of you advisors are hosted in the UK Senate. So talk about what that means. Thank you for going to our website. I'm very impressed. Um, so the sort of two different things that the word fiduciary has been like a buzzword in the industry for a while. A lot of people know that they should ask me if I'm a fiduciary. They don't maybe exactly know why or what that really means. But a fiduciary is someone who's legally bound to act in the best interest of their client, regardless of like my own compensation, for example. So I have a legal obligation to that, and that's by nature of me being what we call an investment advisor representative of a registered investment advisor, which is McNamara Financial. So that was a lot of technical terminology, but basically McNamara Financial is an independent firm. We're not affiliated with any larger firm, so there's no conflicts of interest there. We're completely independent. We're overseen by the Securities and Exchange Commission, but in, by nature of that, I'm required to act as a fiduciary. Um, also, I'm a certified financial planner practitioner. The CFP designation, in the world of financial planning, we call it like the gold standard. It's like the, it's, you don't have to have a CFP in order to call yourself a financial planner, but not all financial planners are certified financial planners. So it's, it's basically just an organization that um, awards you these marks if you go through and you, you know, basically taking like seven courses and passing a two-day exam at the end to, and then when doing continuing education ongoing to, to obtain and keep those marks. So it's, I think I saw a statistic recently that there's something like 400,000 financial planners right. in the United States and 85,000 CFPs. So we're in the minority. And the reason is it's, it's a hard designation to attain, but it, it's, it's a designation that, you know, you go through that coursework and you're really trained on how to take what we call like a holistic view of someone's financial picture. It's not just what's your investment strategy. It's, you know, what's your investment strategy and what's your plan and how do you get there and how about your insurance coverage and what about your estate planning and how about taxes. So it's all these things that like overlap with finance and investing. Um, so it's, it's, it's a well-respected designation in our industry and we felt very um, strongly that we wanted all of our advisors in our firm to have a CFP before they could practice and give out advice. Because they have higher standard of credibility. And exactly. Yeah, the, the, the term financial planner is not a regulated term, mm -hmm. but the, those CFP marks are, are the regulated, those are the regulated marks, and it means you're, in my opinion anyway, it means you have a leg up on other financial planners, right, if you're a financial planner. So how many people work for you? So we have four advisors, and I was counting on my fingers before we started. <laughs> I think it's now seven full-time support staff, and then we wow. have one partner. So we're, we're 11 to 12. We have a couple consultants that we work with. Um, but, yeah, we're, we have two offices. Our primary office is Marshfield. We used to all be there all at the same time. Now, you know, because of COVID, we're in this, you know, we cut the staff in half, and we're alternating weeks. So we're not all together as a big happy family every week. But And then we have a smaller location up in Chelmsford where my brother, he lives up there. And we have one um, full-time support staff there, and we're actually probably hiring pretty, pretty soon. So... There's about 12 of us, and we just have the great – I just feel so blessed and lucky to have the greatest staff. They're, we're just – they're not all family, but they all feel like family in this firm. 
when you when you you know own a business or direct a business as you do, Jonathan, um, you know what it's like to have great people working for you. And I think that's what you're doing. So love you, Jonathan. So you you've mentioned the word family. So what's it like working in a family business? It's your dad. Yep. Your brother. Yep. You and your husband. That's right. Yeah. So. So it's, <laughs> I know, I get this question a lot. Um, it's honest, honestly, it's great. We, um, my dad is a super nice guy. He's awesome. In some regard, you know, he can be late. I mean, he takes the business very seriously. He's very successful. He built this business from nothing 30-some-odd um, years ago now. And um, very successful and takes that very seriously. But he's but he's a great boss. He's, he's let my brother and my husband and I, kind of find our own way. We're all different personalities. We all have different sort of niches and people that we want to work with and things that we want to focus on with our clients. And um, he's been great in that regard. And he hasn't put a lot of pressure on us. He's kind of let us bloom at our own rate. You know, we started in, I started in this business as did my brother and my husband at like 22 to 23 years old. And that's, you know, that, that's, I was very intimidated being that age um, and getting into this business. And so, you know, he, he literally he just let us bloom at our own pace. And, I, you know, I probably bloomed somewhere in my early 30s, <laughs> maybe about 30, 32. So, you know, but but there was a lot to learn. And um, and thank goodness for that. I You know, I wouldn't want to be working with a professional that didn't have any experience either. So thank goodness for, um, you know, me being able to take that time to learn what I needed to know to be, you know, good at my job. Um, but it's great. My, my brother is super laid back, really nice guy, same thing. Um, and, and, and my husband, I've surrounded myself by these people that are, um, just really easygoing and easy to work with. I'm probably the strongest personality of the four of us and I'm very take charge and this is what we're doing and, you know, and we're doing it this way. And, and, um, you know, for the most part, my ideas I think are pretty good. So, you know, they're pretty respectful of that, but, um, we have a great dynamic. We certainly disagree about things, but. I think the one thing great about working in a family business is you can we can literally be yelling and screaming at each other across the table and you know go home that night or go on vacation the next week and like everything's fine it doesn't yeah. affect our personal relationships how do you handle yeah. the work life balance aspect of it cuz you're you know working um, with your dad and you know your brother and your husband well, you know how, I, do you, how do you shut off like the work so early early on in my career I had to tell my dad at some point, if we're outside of the office, I don't want to talk about this. So we ha we, we, uh, it was important to me to draw those lines, and I'd say that to my husband once in a while. Um, you know, he would kind of, we'd, you know, we'd be home or whatever, and he'd be asking me a question about work, and I was like, I, you know, I just, I need to check out for a little while. So I was pretty good about drawing those clear lines. And now it's really hard because I work from home a lot, yeah. too. So now it's the, the, the past year has changed it <laughs> yes. completely. The lines are totally blurred. Actually, Kirk came up this morning, and I was working in one of our home offices, which is one of my daughter's bedrooms. But um, he, he came up with a piece of paper, and he's like, can I ask you a question? He's like, are you working or are you not working? <laughs> you know, because he, he's respectful of the limits. But um, so I did set those limits. And, you know, I was just saying to someone earlier, who I was chatting with, but I was saying that, you know, when I was growing up, my dad was in this phase of his life where he was building the business and he was working a lot of hours and, you know, he, he made time for his family, of course, and vacations. And he came to all my sports games in high schools and stuff like that. And he, you know, he, he made sure to be there for his family, but he worked a lot and he wasn't home all 
all the time. And so I was saying recently, like, it's really great now in my adult life to be able to spend that time with him. Whereas, you know, when I was younger and he was busy building the business, you know, we, we didn't spend that much time together. I can remember a lot of sleepovers full of stuff like that. But, um, but it's really great. We have a good balance. Like, we, we're all going away on vacation this week, actually. We're leaving this week to go to Florida for a week. And my brother and his wife and three kids come. And my parent, we're going to stay at my parents' house. And so it's, we, if my dad brings up work, maybe I'll entertain it for a few minutes. But I'm pretty good about, you know, let's talk about that later. There's all sorts of people that go kind of bent, for lack of a better, bent in a different spot they work here. You guys really can't. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't. There's not a lot that I have to vent about, honestly, when I get home. I mean, if I have a stressful day, it's not something, um, I don't know, I guess it's not something that I vent about. Or, But, but in all honesty, like, if I have a problem with... Um, you know, something in the business, we, we vent in our staff, you know, in our staff meetings, or we have something we call partners meetings, which is just the four of us mm-hmm. chatting about stuff. And, and that's where we'll do our venting. And, and I actually can't remember the last time I really needed to, bring, you know, come home and vent about work. I, I, it sounds maybe, you know, corny, but I, I just, I love what I do. And, and it's the, the people, the clients that I work with, um, I, I have great clients. I think, you know, you attract people that are like you, right? So the clients that I've attracted um, to, to working with me and my business are, are just great people. They're nice people. I don't want to work with anybody who's not a nice person. And, and, and that's just like the natural evolution of my business. So I honestly don't have a lot to vent about. So is there a typical day for you? Right now, no. I mean, right, you know, actually, as a result of COVID, my schedule is totally different, like a lot of people, right? So right now, um, and thank goodness that Kirk and I, my husband, have been able to be flexible with our work schedules. I've been incredibly fortunate to be able to, you know, sort of make my own schedule so that I can ease my own pace when I need to. Um, so right now I'm doing sort of week on, week off. And week off doesn't mean I'm not working at all. It just means I'm home and I can be there for the kids. And I, can, I just don't schedule meetings with people. So right now I have like... A week in the office where it's just back to back to back to back appointments. So if it's a long day and I need an Advil when I get home, um, and and it's crazy. But then the next week I get a little bit of a respite where I can catch up on emails. I can, you know, do the mom stuff that I didn't get to do the week before. I can do laundry and like you know that stuff satisfying when you can get to it, right? And um, so I actually really, really, really like the work-life balance I have right now. And I couldn't have said that a year ago. Um, a year ago was it was very hard to get home and feel good about oh I'm home and I'm here for my kids and I'm not stressed out now it's like I'm forced into it and I think a lot of people are in that same boat and I think it's amazing and I think that I'm going to try to stick to some sort of schedule like this until my kids are like five you know and I know you fairly well and you you put a lot of your kids through this oh I'm the worst I, I take on way too much. I don't know and how to say no to involved, people. You take it on. It's <laughs> not, you're not just there. For I know, and, and my husband gets a little bit frustrated with me. Having said that, he's a pretty charitable person, so I know he respects what I do for the community and um, and all that. But yeah, he's kind of like, do we need to keep taking on something else? Like the day, you know, if I ever, you know, the day I run for public office, which is probably never going to happen, he's he's going to leave me. But um, it, but it's yeah, it, I just. But I like, again, I like forcing myself into that balance. I, I do love work, um, but I also want to be able to coach soccer and volunteer for the soccer board. And, I, you know, I love helping with the chamber. I, I love doing that stuff in the community. I don't want to go through my life and not have any 
you know, I don't want to go through life not having done something to make an impact in my community, too. And I want to set that example for my kids. I want them to know that, you know, there's people in the world that sit back and complain, and there's people in the world that step up and do something. And so I want to be that role model for my kids. Let's talk about trust. Okay. What is something that's fun about being a trust builder? Um, that I only work with nice people, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, you know, they well, they should know that we're an independent firm. That's really important in my world because some firms or some professionals that are affiliated with another or like a larger financial financial institution, they might have some conflicts of interest in terms of having to recommend certain investment products and pricing structures can be different. So, um, so they should know that. That's really important. We're very proud of that. Um, they should also know that I'm what's called a fee-based advisor, and many advisors in my world now are fee-based. In other words, there's we don't have any commissions. It's not like the insurance sales model where there's a commission to sell an investment. Um, but we do have we do charge a fee on an ongoing basis. So there's an ongoing fee that we get it directly from client accounts, generally speaking. Um, and in, in in one regard, that's you know that's an ongoing fee, right? And but but on the other hand, the great thing about that is that that encourages and. And that business model forces the financial professional, not that I need to be forced, I shouldn't use that word, but it encourages the financial professional to, like, on, to literally ongoing care for your clients. If the SEC ever walked into my office, I would need to say, this is what I'm doing for this client that I'm charging a fee on an ongoing basis for. This is the investment management that you're doing. These are the meetings we've had. This is the financial model we have for them. So it's, it's not like a sales model where I sell something to a client and then I don't talk to them for five years. It's an ongoing, I, you know, literally ongoing care for your client model. This is the way that we structured the business about 10 years ago exclusively. Um, and that's just the, that's, that's how we think that's how you run a good business. And, and that's the way that we've chosen to run our business. Um, so they should know that. So you guys are really involved in the community. Um, two things I think of with all of that are Smart with Money Fair. Yep. Yeah, so Smart with Money Fair, I'm super proud of that. I can't, you know, if I had a nickel for every time someone said, I wish I knew this when I was younger, <laughs> you know, I, why isn't this part of the curriculum in, you know, either high school or college? I've heard that so many times. And just in my experience as a financial professional, you know, the, the times that I've met someone in their 50s or 60s who I'm just like, oh, I just wish I knew them 20 years before so that I could have at least guided them and they could have done a few things differently to be much better positioned when they get older. Um, so I'm really passionate about that. I think it's super, super important to start making financial decisions early in life. Um, and it was actually, I have to credit my coworker, Deanna. Um, she lives in Duxbury. Um, she's been with us 10 or 11 years now. She found an article, must have been eight years ago, found an article online about a credit for life fair. And that's the other, you know, in other communities that these fairs are called different things, these financial education fairs. And, and she sent me the article and I was like, that's brilliant. I love this. And I reached out to Mrs. Stanford at the high school at the time because her, I think I had her email address actually from an internship search. And I was somehow on her list of, of contacts and I didn't know her back then. Um, and I reached out to her and I said, have you heard of this? Would Marshfield be interested? Um, and we kind of, and, and her email back was, yes, this would be great, but we need someone in the community to back it financially. And I was like, sorry for not being clear. I'm that person. I want to do this for the community. And so she was thrilled and that started, you know, first of all, a great friendship between yeah, Mrs. Stanford. Yeah, and, and, and also just, um, I think, a great thing for the young people in our community. So, you know, that the Smart with Money Fair, we called it, um, is just, it's intended to give high school students, even 
a glimpse of what is, first of all, what is life like financially when you get out of school? What are the things you're going to have to think about? And what are some of the decisions, so some of the smart decisions you can make at that time? Um, so, you know, it's a one, it's a one day event and it's a, like information overload, but I think knowing some of that stuff, you know, even if they've retained one or two things from that fair, um, I'm, I'm happy. And I know that like Mrs. Stanford and the other business teachers and Mr. Keither, who's been cooperative and really passionate about, you know, building some of that into the curriculum too, leading up to the fair. So that's awesome. Um, and I hope to do that forever. Um, and the other, oh, the radio show, my, my dad started that radio show. I think it was in 1997. It was either 92 or 97. So a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he, he's, he, uh, reached out to, I think it, actually, I think it was Bob Farkas yeah. from WAPD. I'm pretty sure the story is that he cold called my dad back in the nineties and, um, sold him on this idea of a radio show. I, I don't even, I don't know if it was a commercial at the time Maybe or a, a radio show. It might, it might've been a commercial and then it led to a radio show. So yeah, we've had McNamara on money on WAPD on Saturday mornings. It's been almost the same time slot for like 30 years, 25 or 30 years. Um, and it's just meant to be, again, just financial education for people. And, and you know, we, we always try to do it, like, in a not salesy way, yeah. right? You know, it's just, it's, just, it's just meant to be information and things that people should think about and things that they should know in the world of personal finance. And um, it's, it's, it's really fun doing it. I, I have to be honest, it totally ruins a Friday night. <laughs> you know, I, because, I, because on Friday nights I have to sit and do my outline right. or I get up early Saturday morning to do my outline for the show. Um, you know, had I, had I, if I could plan in advance and do it earlier in the week, of course yeah. it wouldn't ruin a Friday night, but, but, um, it's, but yeah, it's great. And I, and we get a lot of, you know, people that call into the office and say, Hey, I've heard you on the radio for so long. Can you meet, you know, it's great. It, it is, it's, it's, it's great marketing and PR for us. It really is. Um, because I think people, you know, hear you, especially over time and hear you consistently over time and hear your voice and hear, you know, the way that you think and the advice that you give and the way that you talk to people and I, and people just over time, I think, have a certain comfort level with this person, even though they've never met, right? It's yeah. the, people will call me and be like, I feel like I know you. I'm ready to work with you. So it's it's great. And, and you know, of course, not everyone that listens will become a client, and that's okay. But it's as long as we can get good information out there to the community, like, that's that's what's most important. So love doing it. Is there an ideal client for you? Um, sh- yeah, of course. Um, I have a couple of, I guess, niches. Um Someone, well, ideally the client has assets that we can invest for them. That is our yeah. compensation structure. I personally very rarely will, will charge, will work with someone that doesn't have assets that we can manage. There are advisors that will do like a, a project fee or an hourly fee. Yeah. Just because I'm a busy working mom, I just don't have time for that. And I, and I just, I only, I exclusively now work with clients that have assets that we can manage. And, and I, and I sort of have soft minimums of, yeah. you know, three, four, five hundred thousand. So, but I, I do say soft minimum. Um, and so for me, it's people that are approaching retirement, looking for some help pulling off retirement, looking for some savings goals. So pre-retirees are one of my niches because those are the people that, first of all, generally have assets. They've had time to build assets or they've inherited assets or, or they've changed jobs and have a rollover that we can help them with. So that's a great niche for me and I can help them with that financial modeling. Um, is there a type you enjoy working with? Is it like retirees or um, younger people or older people? Is there most of the people, I, I do have a very broad yeah. uh, client base in, in age. 
I have literally people from their 20s all the way to into their 80s. Yeah. Um, most of my clients, I would say, are 50 to 70. Um, that's the bulk of them. And most of, the, most of the people that I meet and work with for the first time are like 50 to 60 because it's those people that are, oh, my gosh, retirement is not 30 years away anymore. It's only 10 years away. And what do I need to do to pull this off? Am I saving enough? Um, my kids are going to college now. I have some money to save. Or maybe their parents have passed, you know, more, sort of commonly that's in your 50s, right? It, maybe your parents passed and you've inherited some money. Um, so that's a very common age and a good in, in people that I really enjoy working with. I think those are the people that need the most help with regard to the financial planning and modeling that I that I that I do. Um, but I, having said that, I also have a bunch of clients that I enjoy working with, like in their 30s, for example. Um, you know, people that are you know make good money, have money to save. Um, you know, have uh, you know j just are really. Um, responsible about, you know, not necessarily budgeting, but responsible about tucking money away. There's a lot of um, millennials, for example, that want to retire early or do this, um, you know, sort of redefining retirement and they want to be taking sabbaticals and then going back to work and taking another sabbatical and then switching careers. You know, so that stuff needs a lot of planning. And so that's really what I'm the most passionate about. So I do have some clients that are a bit younger um, and we're doing some, you know, early retirement planning and you have to be pretty disciplined and or you have to be a pretty high income earner to pull that stuff off. Um, but but yeah, the, those are really the two groups that I work with the most. What separates you guys from anyone out there that works with clients? Um, <laughs> I should not prepare for that question. Um, there's a lot of financial you know planners out there. There's what? a lot of financial professionals out there. I, I do think the family business gives us a leg up. I think people feel comfortable that there's um, a transition plan if something were to happen. I mean, I plan to be there for 30 or 40 years. I don't really envision myself totally retiring. But people feel comfortable that there are other trusted advisors in the office, and, and the family dynamic is just nice, I think. And um, we're also just real people. Honestly, I, I, um, we, we are very passionate about not talking to our clients in such a manner that would intimidate them. We're really good about talking to clients just like you and I are talking right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to sound really smart and intimidate someone, in, you know, intimidate them into working with me. We're just very passionate about, you know, educating our clients on what we do and why. I don't invest someone's money until I've sat with them for at least an hour and we've talked about investment 101. I want people to understand what I'm doing. I never want to use terminology that they don't understand. And all of the advisors in, in my office do that. And it's just because, you know, the amount of times I've had someone come in and say, you know, I work with this person and I just don't understand what they're doing for me. You know, they use words I don't understand. That's not us at all. We're just, we're just regular people that work with regular people. And there's a lot of regular people out there that need help. So thank goodness for that. So I think that sets us apart a bit. I want to jump topics here for okay. a few. All right. Uh, the Chamber, Northfield Chamber of Commerce. Northfield Chamber of Commerce. We both have something in common that, you're, that I'm right. president, and you're the current president. Yep. Talk about that experience, what it's like being chamber president. <laughs> I, I might add Is, a few comments. Are we going to turn the camera off? No. Uh, no, we can, no, we can, <laughs> no, we can be honest. Um, I love the chamber. It's a great group of people. I mean, I, I remember meeting you very – I think you were – I was president. becoming president, and, we were, right. and, you, and you just joined, and we're like, oh, we need a treasurer. She's a financial <laughs> planner. Was like, Jackpot. Yes, and again, under the heading of I'm really good at underestimating things that, uh, that I take on. Um, but you know what? It's a great group of people. Um, 
and there's people that are really dedicated to that organization and people that have been there for a long time. Um, it's, it's a role that is, you know, it's a lot of work. Um, and, you know, the, the months go, you know, we have a board meeting monthly, and the months go by quickly. And, oh, crap, is that meeting yeah. next week? I have to do the agenda, you know. Um, so it's a lot of work in that regard. But it really does feel good to do something for the community. We're working on some, you know, for the past several years, we've been working on some great things um, to, to make Marshfield a better place. I mean, I, we were a member of the chamber before I got involved, and I kind of was like, you know, I should get involved in this for networking and to meet other professionals. And I have done that. I have done that. I've met some other professionals. Um, it's not a huge source of business for me. No. It's really not. But that's not why I went into it. It, it just... Um, it just, it does feel good to be involved in something. And, and when I took over from you, thank you for your service as president, I just felt strongly like I want to, I want to serve as president and I, I don't want to leave until I've been like, in, until I felt like I accomplished something, right? And I want to be able to say, yes, during my tenure as president of the chamber, I did X, Y, Z. And it, and it you know, we're, we're working on some you things have a lot now. Of going on, so. I know, I, I, I'm very, um, you've known me long enough to know that I, I have high aspirations, and I, yeah. I have, I have, you know, big visions, and um, I think I can, you know, solve a lot of problems, and I'm, I'm very, I think big like that. Um, but I'm a hard worker, so I can yeah. follow through on a lot of those visions. So we do. We have a lot going on with regards to uh, a subset of our economic development committee is our Webster Walkability Initiative. We're, we're ongoing trying to do some improvements in that area of town. There's a lot of business there. Um, of course, and it's and it's like a, it's a town center for us, and it's not just for the businesses; it's for the community. There's a lot of kids that hang out down there, and families that spend time down there. So we're really passionate about that. Um, plus, now we have our well, we had our one lobster fest, and hopefully have another event this year. We get involved in you know uh, citizen of the year, business leader of the year, and, and recognizing people that do great things for our community. Um, yeah, we have a we have a lot going on. We have uh, diversity in business, and our women in business um, group has been very well received. A lot of women engaging in that, which is great. Um, in the internship program, I could go on and on, Jonathan, go on. but it's it's great. And you know what? I we have such a strong team right now. I certainly can't take credit for much of this, but um, we have a good group of people, and it it does just it just feels good to do something good for the town and be involved. One of the challenges I felt when I was is the economic element, the economic development aspect that sometimes you feel like there's almost, it's a two-part thing. One, there's almost like a, for lack of a better term, a death grip on this development. That yeah. people want things the way it was 30, 40 years ago. They're still reminiscing of certain things. And when you mention economic development, they're thinking yeah. major high structures and stuff like that. Yep. And it's, it's so, it, that was one of the most frustrating aspects so interesting you brought that up. We actually, our economic development subcommittee, which is about five of us, um, we actually had a discussion recently about rebranding our committee to something like, my idea was, econo was, was it economic or some economic revitalization. I think revitalization yeah. is a better term. I, maybe it's that I'm getting a little bit older, but I, and, and as we see, you know, things being just mowed down along 139. Right. I can sympathize with people that are kind of like, oh, I wish things would go back to the way they were. I certainly don't want to see overdevelopment in town. Exactly. I, I, I want to live in a, you know, beautiful, green, coastal community, right? Yeah. And 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 I'm in the I suburbs. Was, yeah, and right? that was the thing I kept saying is yeah. that I, I, I live in town too. You yeah. Know, I, I don't want, you know, a 
has to be you know some major yeah and and nobody does you know there there are areas of town for example enterprise drive which you know is looking to be is is being built out as we speak and um you know like it or not but i think revitalization even beautification is a better term for that effort and somebody we were talking about revitalization and and what we don't want to happen is we do some revitalization and then it's dead you know what i mean like it should be an ongoing effort, and that's essentially what we're trying to do in Webster Square, for example, where we want to, you know, replace some of those benches. We want to get rid of the jersey barriers. Yeah. We we want people to be able to cross safely and walk around. You know, we want some some park benches and planters. You know, th these are not these are not that's not overdevelopment stuff. That's just beautifying our town and making it a more attractive place to want to be, right? So so I agree with you. I think economic development, um, I think that committee is not named properly. Having said that, there are certainly are components of things being developed. But, yeah. you know, Grant Rock is another example of there's not there's not enough land there to really develop much, but there's certainly revitalization that can yeah. be done and improvement. Yeah. And that's, that's really what our efforts are surrounding. And the other thing I always sometimes I felt this is that sometimes and we're about the same age it's because you're younger and there's like you don't have people tune you out yeah like because yeah. you're not you haven't lived here since you know, sure. you're, you know you're, you're not in your 50s you haven't lived here since you know yeah. the 1970s that sometimes people tune out because oh well you haven't been around so yeah that's yeah. one that always kind of <laughs> bothered me and I and I really felt that we were both on charter review together Oh, yes. It's like people in the community view us <laughs> as the little boy and the little girl in the charter. Yes, well, like, we were. <laughs> and, but, but, like, we weren't. It's like, we're yeah, adults. We have families. It's sure. Like, you know, it's well, not many people have said that to my face, but, you know, perhaps people I've have I've heard general statements it. about yeah. us. About yeah, I mean, and is there something to that? Sure. I, I, I'm not as experienced as someone who's 65 and lived there their whole life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm younger. Um, but that doesn't mean our ideas aren't good. It doesn't mean we're not smart. Um, mm -hmm. And you know what? We're, we're out in the community getting stuff done, right? And, and, you know, for the people that sit back and complain and, you know what, well, did you step up and, and put the effort in and the work in? I mean, you know, how much charter review is a great example of a huge effort and so many hours for so many people. And, you know, how, was it 12, 12, 13 of us total on that yeah. committee? And that, you know, if you years. combine all the hours over those couple years or more, that's a huge effort, essentially wasted, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that was a good learning experience for me and all that. But, um, yeah, that, you know, that's my response to somebody who wants to say you're yeah. too young to, well, you know what, I'm stepping up and I'm energetic and I'm, and I'm trying to make a change for what I think is the better. Um, but I hope that I hope that I'm not that person at age 65 or 85, you know, <laughs> criticizing the younger people. I hope that I'll be more open-minded at that stage in my life. Yeah. So we're on the home stretch here. So okay. a few other things. So business is all about partners and preferences, yep. referrals. Yep. Who's the best partner? Like an actual name? No, you don't um, actually oh. like a type of profession. Or so um, yeah, so there. So tax professionals, uh, insurance professionals, mortgage professionals, and attorneys are generally the professionals that I cooperate with on my client's mm -hmm. behalf and that I would either refer people to or that or they would refer people to me. I generally get referrals the most from accountants mm -hmm. um, and some mortgage professionals. 
the nature of my business is such that I generally give out more referrals. I make more referrals yeah. than I receive, but that's just the nature of my business. I, I just take a holistic view of, of someone's whole financial picture, and that overlaps with insurance and estate planning yeah. and taxes and all that stuff. So that's just the nature of my business. Um, but, but yeah, it's great to be able to know people in the community. You know, when a client walks in and says, oh, I'm working with XYZ attorney um, to draft my legal documents, it's great for me to say, oh, yeah, I know him. I'll give him a quick call. It's great to have those relationships because it's in everyone's best interest for your professionals to be working together in a professional manner, right? So it's in the client's best interest. It's easier for the professionals. We can do our jobs better if we have the information we need. Um, so that's just great. So, yeah, I make a best effort to – have great relationships with those people in, in my community, and um, and and most other professionals that I cooperate with are are the same. You know, they they value what I do for for our mutual client and and vice versa. So, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a business perspective? Um, my dad told me early on in the career in my career, um, it's so simple, but he just said. When somebody calls you, you call them my dad. It's so simple. But you don't wait till the next day or a couple days. You you just, you know, and, re and really what he meant was take good care of your clients, right, and get right back to them. They don't want to wait for you, especially in today's world. People don't want to wait for anything. And, and now it's a little bit easier because, you know, many of my clients have my cell number and they can just text me and I can text them right back. Or, you know, email for working professionals. Email is very quick. Mm -hmm. But um, – that's, you know, he, and he just taught me early on in many different many different examples of ways to just, if you take good care of people, you'll run a good business long term because you'll get referrals and um, and that's that's and you just take good care of people. What about your home? What about yeah. if some student with Smiles Money Care comes up to you and says, "Hey, I wanted you to be my coach. What advice do you give to them?" Um, I t I would tell them to go get their CFP certified financial planner designation because I think that's huge in my world and I would tell them to align themselves with a firm where they're going to have some training mm -hmm. and maybe some sort of a revenue share versus there are some firms and some financial professionals that literally just get thrown into the fire yeah. without much experience which isn't good for the client and then there, you know, if you're, if you just are thrown into a career, essentially a sales career, yeah. right, where you have to, you know, obtain clients so that you have revenue. And you, if, you know, I guess where I'm going is. It, good mentorship. Yeah, good mentorship is super important. You need people around you. It, it took me years to learn how to do this business well and how to give good advice because everyone's situation is different. And there's so many different things going on in people's worlds, again, from all those different aspects of taxes and insurance and legal stuff and, um, and all these other things. And, and if you are just thrown right into it, I mean, that's not good for anybody. It's not good, good for your income, and it's also not good for the client. I mean, that, you know, you're going to set yourself up for failure. So there are opportunities out there for advisors to take on, like, support roles for a period of time, and then they can learn, and then they can be released when they're ready. But that's not always the case. So I always say just be careful about where you align yourself with your family and who that is. If you could jump in the time machine to start your career, what would you tell yourself? Um, I would 
tell myself to be more confident. Er, early on in my career, I didn't have much confidence. And I think that was just, I think because I did have, like, I went from engineering, like, at, you know, as we talked about earlier, I went from engineering to finance. And it took me a while to get my sea legs. And at, um, having said that, I'm a smart person, and I think I learned things a lot faster than I thought I did at the time. And I was probably ready to start, you know, bringing on clients earlier than I did. But it just took me a while to build that confidence and really believe in myself. That's just one of my – I'm, like, my toughest critic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know me well enough, but I'm, I'm, I am my toughest critic. I know, and, yeah. and, and I think I was very hard on myself early on. And I was like, I'm ready, you know. And I just – but it took me a while to be ready. But, I, you know, I bloomed at some point. You did it. You've done it. You've <laughs> done, done a great job. Yeah. So, last yeah. but certainly least, if people want to find out more about you, McNamara Financial, where can they go? Sure. So, uh, McNamaraFinancial.com is our website. A little bit of information there. I should really flesh that website out a little bit more. But also, our radio show, McNamara on Money, is a great place, Saturday mornings on WATD. Also, we have our podcast. What we do is we take the radio recordings and we turn them into podcasts. So, you can search your podcast app for McNamara on Money. We release two shows, roughly, actually two to four shows a week. We take our two-hour podcast and we make it to one-hour podcast because who listens to a two-hour podcast? Um, and sometimes we do record them for MCTV. I've been a little bit yeah. lazy about that as we've been home and stuff like that. But um, it's yeah, it's tough to be like all camera ready. At we'll bring you back. Seven forty-five a.m. Yeah, but, that's that. Um, but yeah, the radio show is great, and the podcast is a great way to learn more about me. Come in doing this, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It took me awesome. two months to get in here and do this, but Happy thank you for the invite and. Thank you.